Welcome and thank you for joining us. You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio, a ministry designed to teach the absolute truth of God from the Bible so that you will hear the gospel of God and be saved if you are not already, or so that you will grow in your knowledge of God and your joy and faithfulness in Him. In this podcast, we will discuss repentance. What is true repentance? What is the repentance that leads to forgiveness of sins, salvation, and reconciliation with God forever for any sinner like you or me? I would like to begin by reading a few passages from the Bible that stress the significance of this word or act, repentance. Here is John the Baptist who was sent out by God, the prophet, to announce the coming of the Messiah Jesus in preparation for Jesus' own ministry. And he went out to large crowds and he began preaching by saying, Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And even Jesus, as he began his own ministry uh, and began his own preaching, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew writes that Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when Jesus sent out some of his disciples to preach in various towns during the middle of his ministry, it says in Mark chapter 6 that the disciples went out and proclaimed that the people should repent. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, as Jesus is being criticized for spending time with sinners and tax collectors, Jesus answers these scoffers by saying, I have not come to call the righteous, meaning those who think they're righteous on their own merit, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. In Luke 13, when some people were in shock and sadness of some fatal events that happened in Israel, Jesus turned to them and said, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then in Luke 24, when Jesus has raised from the dead and is in the room speaking to his disciples and giving them some early instruction before they go out in their own ministry, says to these disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And then when these disciples went out, and on the day of Pentecost, when they were hit with the Holy Spirit, and Peter gave his first sermon to a crowd of people in Jerusalem, and he tells them of their sin, and that they have crucified the Messiah, and they've killed the Son of God, and they they are convicted of their sin, and they cry out to Peter, well, what should we do? And Peter says, Acts 2, verse 38, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then days later, Peter is preaching again to a group of people, Acts 3, verse 19, and he says, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out by God. And then Paul, in his own ministry, 
finding himself in Athens, preaching and reasoning with people in Athens. He's in the Areopagus, this large coliseum full of people who like to hear philosophy and religious thought and intellectual ideas. And they invite Paul to preach. And in his sermon, Paul says this to the people. The previous Acts 17, the previous times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, that being his son, the Lord Jesus, who will judge at the end of history. And then when Paul is saying goodbye to his his friends, fellow believers in Ephesus after three years with them, teaching them, and he's leaving them, going to Jerusalem. He says, Acts 20, verse 21, to the church leaders in Ephesus, you know how I did not hesitate from declaring to you anything that was profitable in teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Gentiles of repentance Toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is clear in many other passages in the Bible stressing this word, this act, this process called repentance, which is vital and crucial to any person's salvation. However, and unfortunately, even though repentance is such a crucial aspect to salvation of an individual, It is unfortunately infrequently stressed or incorrectly taught. In other words, many people, quite frankly, are unclear what actually is repentance. And maybe you, maybe you. I ask people, what is repentance? And I'm often given answers that are incomplete or inaccurate. Not all the time, but a lot. And if we do not understand what repentance is and what it truly calls for, then as Jesus says, we will likewise perish because true repentance is mandatory, crucial in a person's salvation. So why is it? Why is it that repentance is so overlooked or or so uh, misunderstood by many people? Well, a few reasons real quickly. Number one, that there's a lack of God's truth in much preaching today. There's a lot of preaching in various churches, some of which is excellent, and some of which it some of which is not very good at all. And it lacks the truth of God. It's it gives you partial truths, but not the comprehensive truth of God, unfortunately. Secondly, there's a lot of preaching that's that we would call easy believism, uh, selling or telling messages that if you simply acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and died on the cross and that you're a sinner then you'll be saved. And that's it. It's like, just confess that you're a sinner and ask God to save you in Jesus, and then you're saved and in the family of God. Or these stories like, oh, we're all just a bunch of nuts on a journey, and it's all good as long as you're in God's story and, and you believe what, what, you believe that Jesus died, you will be saved. Well, certainly if you Faith in Christ is paramount to being saved, but if your faith in Christ does not include repentance, then you may not actually have the salvation you've been told that you have. As Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. Point number three, a lot of people do not think about repentance, hear about it, or, or stress it because, quite frankly, they like their sin. Unfortunately, they want forgiveness from God, but they want to remain in the sin that they want forgiveness for. But that's not repentance. Repentance calls us to turn from our sin, as we'll see. And then some do not teach about repentance or think about it because they think repentance is legalistic, actually. While they understand that it is God's grace that saves a person, 100% God's grace, God's grace necessarily and comprehensively permeates every aspect of a person's salvation, even the repentance that goes with it to yield salvation. But people think that it's all grace, we're forgiven, but any thought that we're expected to live a life in repentance is legalistic. Well, that's not true because repentance and a life of repentance is what we've been called to do by God, as we'll see. And then some actually think that true repentance is not even possible. This is unfortunate because they think that, well, we're all wretches anyway and we can't do good. So you can't really repent from sin. You can just go and seek forgiveness and God in his grace gives you this perpetual salvation that cures you of all your sin. But you're not really truly able to repent from your sin. Well, that's not true. And that's unfortunate. And fourthly, many think that repentance, this is very popular, we hear this a lot, is simply confessing sins to a priest or a religious professional or a pastor or or some guru. That if you go to a person and confess your sins privately, then that's repentance. And they may give you some prescription of behavior to do, and then you're saved or forgiven again and reconciled to God again or re-justified none of which are in the Bible or biblical concepts, but most people think that. But my friend, it is imperative because of the vital nature of repentance that we understand what true repentance is. It's not only a crucial part of a person's salvation, it's also the evidence of a person's salvation. We must understand that God is saving sinners. And in that, making disciples, making men and women that will turn and follow his son and serve his mission, and repentance is a huge part of that process. So the question then is, what is true repentance? What is true repentance that leads to salvation for a sinner like me in my life previously or like you? Salvation, reconciliation with God, forgiveness, and eternal life. Well, to clarify, this podcast, we are talking about repentance that leads to salvation for a sinner who is not yet saved. This is not, in our next podcast, we will discuss the repentance for a person who is saved, the life of repentance for that person. But this episode is specifically about What is true repentance that leads to genuine salvation for a sinner? A salvation that we will emphasize is a one-time event. Once a person is saved by God, born again, forgiven of sin, and given eternal life, 
that person is set. You can never lose that, nor do you have to recapture that through some kind of religious activity. Salvation is a one-time event. And what is the true repentance that leads to salvation? Well, for starters, this process, and that's what repentance is, begins with awareness. Awareness of your specific sin. Not necessarily every sin you've ever committed for your whole life in detail, but there must be some specific understanding and awareness of your specific sin. Not just the general acceptance that you're a sinner, that many people say, just acknowledge you're a sinner like everyone else and you want forgiveness. No, true repentance begins with the understanding, the awareness of one's specific sin, whatever your lifestyle of sin is that's contrary to God's will. You're aware of it. That is point number one. Point number two, true repentance continues with a conviction, a genuine true conviction and brokenness over this sin. This is part of repentance. Jesus says to his disciples in John 16 that the Holy Spirit when he comes, will convict the world of sin and righteousness. Conviction of sin is a tremendous part of repentance, and it yields more steps. In fact, again, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. When Peter preached, he did not give the gospel at the very beginning of his message. He gave the truth of the sin of the people and what they needed to be forgiven of. And he told the people that day that you have killed the Son of God, your Messiah, the one that you hated, the one that you tricked Pontius Pilate into condemning to death, the one that the chief priests were threatened by and wanted to kill, that you supported and helped assassinate. This is the Son of God, the Messiah. And what happened is when the people heard this, Acts chapter 2, Verse 37, they were cut to the heart, Luke writes, which means they were convicted of their sin. And then from that, they cry out to Peter and the other apostles and ask them, well, what should we do? See, unfortunately, in our culture, there are many people who live in a state of conviction and they're sad or depressed or full of anxiety. Truly. And it's actually conviction over sin. But because we have pride or ignorance and we're deceived by the world, we do not at times want to acknowledge that our burden in our heart or our gut or our mind is from sin, but we blame shift it on something else, just like Adam and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3. And we blame our sin on something else, or we blame our pain in our heart on something else. Now, it could be related, it could be medical or emotional, genuinely, but there's oftentimes in our, in our country, in Europe, all over the world, actually, where people are feeling burdened, feeling convicted, but they are wanting to push it off as something else. So then what they do is they try to numb or sedate their pain with other objects, synthetics, maybe alcohol drugs, medications, or blaming on something else. This is exactly what Adam and Eve did. This is in our instinct, in the sinful flesh, and this is what we want to do when, in fact, some of the pain and the burden and the sleeplessness and anxiety that we are feeling actually comes from 
from God, as David says in Psalm 32, we'll read that in a moment, how God was convicting him and crushing him, and, and his body felt like his he was he he was God's hand was heavy on him. He had physical pain from his own sin. And he turns to God instead of other agents. So true repentance begins with awareness of our specific sin and conviction over this sin, and furthermore, into a godly sorrow over sin, not just a sorrow over sin. Every person at some point over their sin will feel regret or shame, especially if we get caught or we know that people are aware of what we've done. We'll regret it. We'll feel bad. We'll cry. We'll have sorrow. This is called worldly sorrow. In fact, this is exactly what Paul is writing about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, for example. When he had to convict some people, tell them some sin they were doing to convict them into genuine repentance. Chapter 7, verse 10 of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. Simple worldly grief or embarrassment or shame because people know you did something, that's not necessarily true repentance. But godly sorrow, where you're burdened and broken over your sin because of its offense against God, is a part of genuine repentance. You are sorrowful that you have sinned against your maker, and you're feeling the burden and the pain of this. And then so then fourthly, you come and you take your sin and you confess to God. Confession, genuine confession to God over your sin and your need for God's forgiveness and healing. This is exactly what David did in Psalm 32. David was obviously convicted by some sin, and so he goes and he confesses, not necessarily to a priest, not to a religious leader to give them some him some prescription of what to do to be healed, but directly to God. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. This is beautiful. Listen. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, before or after the event. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Indeed. And then David says, For when I kept silent over my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, O Lord, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David is feeling the conviction and the sorrow of his sin so so intensely that it's physical. His body feels that it's broken. Then, David writes, I acknowledge my sin to you, O Lord, I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you, Lord, forgave the iniquity of my sin. Only God can forgive sin. A pastor, a priest, or a religious guru, or some person who no longer is living on this planet, unless his name is Jesus, cannot forgive your sin. You do not need to go to a third-party mediator to get to God. 
God is your mediator. Go to God and confess to the one that you've sinned against. He knows your sin. He knows everything we do. Be humble enough and honest enough and confess your sin to God as part of your repentance. But unfortunately, many people stop right here with the confession. And that's what they're taught confession is. And they're, they're taught to go to a priest, for example, confess sins on a weekly, monthly basis, and then that's repentance. That is not true repentance. True repentance goes beyond confession. It's much more than confession. The fifth point in repentance is this, and this is what repentance actually means. It is turning away. It is turning away from sin. Repentance means to turn away from sin. It is far more than confession. God is calling people to walk in holiness. God is calling people to glorify him. God is calling people to be his disciples. God is calling people to follow his son. God is calling people to be in his mission. And you cannot do that if you're living in sin and all you can do is confess your sin, but you cannot turn away from your sin. This is what John the Baptist was preaching when he went out before Jesus. He was preaching a, a, a gospel of repentance that leads to salvation and preparation for Jesus. Luke chapter 3, starting in verse 7, John the Baptist said to the crowds, you brood of vipers, you group of snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? There is wrath coming over sin in this world, truly. He says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, meaning live a life that is consistent with true repentance, not just confession. And the crowd said to John, what then shall we do? And John answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. You see a godly behavior coming out. Tax collectors who were very sinful, stole money from people. Tax collectors also came to John and said, Teacher, what shall we do? And John said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers asked him, What shall we do? And John said, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be content with your wages. Even Paul, when he is testifying about his own ministry calling that Jesus gave him, In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, he's speaking to King Agrippa in Caesarea, and he says, the Lord Jesus appeared to me, King, and here's what he said, I am sending you, Paul, to open the eyes of the Gentiles so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Repentance foundationally is the turning away from sin, which is a byproduct of God's grace. As the Bible makes clear, it is God's grace that causes a person to turn from his sin. Paul writes in Romans 2, don't you know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God causes people to repent. But people, unfortunately, think, no, we can't really repent, and they want to live in a life of sin, but not a life of repentance. And they carry on in their sin, 
that God is calling them to repent from. But if we can't repent from our sin, then we should not expect salvation on the other side, but only danger and wrath and judgment. Truly, this is what Paul says. Listen to Paul in two passages in the New Testament, first in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, and then Galatians chapter 5. Paul writes, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, those are those who are abusive or slanderous or cruelly critical of others, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, as he's speaking to believers. You were like this, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So true repentance means a turning away from these behaviors which once enslaved us. And if we can't turn from these behaviors, then we're not yet truly in repentance and salvation. In salvation, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and following, following, Paul writes, Now the works of the flesh, the works of the dead flesh, the sin that controlled us before we were saved, before you're saved, are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, uh, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we cannot repent, meaning turn away from sin, then we're not truly repentant and truly in the salvation that we may think or hope we have. But true repentance is a turning away from sin to a turn and embrace of Christ. Now, faith in Christ and embracing Christ are not repentance. However, repentance is a turning from sin and an embrace of Christ and faith in Christ that leads salvation. So you can't ignore it in in the process or in the description. You turn from sin as a sinner coming to God for salvation, you turn from sin, you're, you're aware of your sin, you're convicted, you're sorrowful, you're confessional, and you turn from the sin and you grab your heart around the true Lord Jesus in faith and you embrace him and his righteousness, his salvation of a cross and, and, and on the cross and a life of discipleship and following him as you turn furthermore to a life of the godliness and the goodness that God has called us to live in. For Christ Jesus has purified for himself a people of his very own possession who were zealous to do good works. Again, this is exactly what John the Baptist was preaching. Produce fruits in keeping with genuine repentance that yield you to walk in godliness and holiness and turn away from your sin. And if we can do that, if you will do that, my friend, if you're listening now and you're not a believer in Christ and you're not saved and you want to be saved, if you come in true repentance and you turn from your sin and come to God and embrace Christ, you will be reconciled to God for all eternity 
You will be saved from the penalty of your sin and the power of your sin. You will be fully forgiven of all your sin. You will have peace with God, security with God. You will enter in into the mission of God as a new creation of Christ. And we warn you and say in love, if not, if you will not repent, if a person does not repent, even if your sins are very little and there's people all around you who you think are worse, then God will pay you the penalty for your sin. Psalm Psalm 7, verse 12, if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He, He has bent and readied his bow. God has prepared his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. The illustration of extreme warfare and judgment on those who do not repent. As Jesus says, if you do not repent, you will perish, truly. Ezekiel, the prophet, uh, chapter 18, verse 30, the Lord says, repent and turn from your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Iniquity be your ruin in eventual judgment and be the ruin of your life. As Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 24, one of God's judgments temporarily until the judgment that's coming on this world against those who, who do not repent, believe, and follow Christ is that he turns people over to their sin. Romans chapter chapter 1, verse 24. Please, come, turn from your sin. Repent of your sin, come to faith in Jesus Christ, and receive salvation in God for life eternal with God. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for listening. In our next podcast, we will discuss the repentance of the person who is saved and reconciled to God. What is that repentance and what does it look like? Thank you very much for listening. We hope that you have a great week and spread the word.